I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okie dokies, today we are talking about the season four finale, episode number 18 of the fourth season, The Last Damn Job. Bethany, what did you think? I liked it. Okay, Like, I don't, I'm not even going to come out here and be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. No, like, it was good. It was, it was fun. It was silly and... Like, they took down the bad guy, and they had some, like, emotional shit And happening. we got some random, like, reoccurring characters. Some <laughs> of which... I don't think I mentioned in the season one finale that Quinn becomes a recurring character. No. I'm but, so annoyed that he's back because I only remember him as... And I did write this down. Do you Actually, do you want to finish your point and then I'll read you my quote? That was basically my point. I just oh, love great. all the guests and, like... The fact that you would never expect this one random dude. <laughs> My note was, this fucker that I was mad about, Jenny the Vampire Coda. <laughs> because I just only remember him as that guy that I was pissed off about. Because yeah. I was like, they have not set up for Elliot yeah. to be able to be defeated. So I don't believe this guy could defeat him. And that is all I remember. <laughs> and I remember sitting there going, okay, yeah, but like, they do set it, like, he comes back. And he comes back specifically because he is one of the very few hitters on a similar caliber to Elliot. Elliot. Yeah. No, like, I... He comes back. I'm glad that he comes back. I think it's very fun that they specifically pulled him back from season one mm-hmm. because yeah. of Devin yeah. Like, I think that that's very, very fun. And it's the sort of thing where you've been saying to me all season, oh, like, this reminds me of season one. Like, that reminds me of season one. Oh, that, that seems like, you know... This is why, because we're going back to the beginning. You know, this is, Dubinich has been in prison for the last, I think he says three years, five Five months months. and 11 days or something like that. And he has spent every single one of those hatching this plan, essentially. Mm -hmm. I think it's so funny when characters will say stuff like that, because we get, we get like a similar thing from Cass at one point in Supernatural. He's like been counting the thing. I think it's like 11 months or some Mm -hmm. shit. Like it's a ridiculous. Maybe it's weeks. I don't know. Anyway, we get a similar thing from Cass. And I'm like, well, that makes sense because he's literally like a supernatural being with like yeah. infinite fucking intimate understandings of the universe. Like I understand him in a split second being able to calculate exactly how long yeah. it's been or being able to actively keep track. But what is just like a regular fucking human being? Like how often do you like wake up and you think it's Tuesday, but actually it's Wednesday? Like, do you know what I mean? See, like Dubinich has been doing it for the drama. I just think it's such a funny idea that like right before... He went into that, like, little convo with Nate. He said to the guy, like, hey, can you Google something for me real quick? Because <laughs> that would be me. I'd be like, I just had a great idea, but I did not plan far enough in advance. So I'm going to need you to help me out pretty please. But no, so how do we feel about Dubinich and Latimer and the way the plot line as a whole plays out? I feel pretty great about my ability to see it. Yeah. I'm like, actually, like... As much as at the end of the last episode, I was kind of like, oh, like, I don't really know, like, what they're going to do. Like, that kind of was the point. Yeah. Like, Sophie just about word for word. Oh, yeah. Literally, you literally quoted Sophie in the last, in last week's episode. Yeah. You were like, you know, he's in jail. What's left, what, what's there left to do to him? I'm like, oh. Yeah, his business, his possessions, his name. Like, yeah. I didn't say it, like, exactly. You didn't like say it exactly. Things. Like, I did sneak in the quote after he had said it. Yeah, literally. Because I was like, oh, we literally, like, just yeah. spoke about this. Literally, the podcast curtain, we recorded the other episode, like, an hour ago. But <laughs> <laughs> And then we watched the episode and we come back. Yeah, I was like, oh, we literally just had this discussion. And then Dubinich says, 
I'm not scared of you, but aren't you just a little bit scared of me? And I was like, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah, they've already taken him down. He has nothing to lose, mm-hmm. which means that he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Like, he is more of a threat because they've already yeah. taken him down in a sense. And I was like, oh, God, this is... I literally have a note that in all caps says, I can't believe I'm Sophie coded, which is so funny. Like, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed, we got a lot of bits of this episode that I really enjoyed. Like the fact that Archie fucking finally refers to Parker as his daughter. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he does it in front of his blood family. The fact that yeah. Parker like clearly was not expecting it. No. And like, you know, the fact and that she's like, like, bye sis. She so has funny. no idea how to go with it. She's yeah. She's like, oh yeah. So fucking funny. I loved it for her. The fact that we had, oh my God, Hardison calling Archie sir and like trying so hard to be like, look at this impressive thing that I can do. And, blah, 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 blah. and being, trying to be like so respectful of like Parker and like, mm-hmm. oh see, but this is why I'm good for Parker because yes. X, Y, Z and Archie being like, but well, we don't need X, Y, Z. We just need like these two mm-hmm. things. Uh, rewatching that scene though, where Archie steals the sword. I didn't realize how obvious it is what he does. Like, if you actually watch that scene and you watch Archie in that scene, you can see him lean forward to, like, tase the, mm. like, power socket. And you can see him move for the, like, sword before the power goes out. Oh, that's Like, you cool. can actually, you can definitely see it. You can be like, oh, I see, like. Because I didn't pick it. Like, yeah. I picked, obviously, that he, I knew that he'd done something to the badge. Mm. Like, because initially I thought he was going to take it. But then, like, I was like, oh, the badge is still there. So I was like, did he swap it? Like, he did something. Yeah, and if you look, you can see the little camera on it. the yeah. badge. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, okay. Like, I spotted that. And I was like, he made a specific reference to the sword and like there were a couple of establishing shots so I knew that the sword was going to be relevant yeah I didn't realize that he'd swapped it out what Mm -hmm. I thought was going to happen was because obviously we knew Parker was already in the like safe yeah so I thought that this was kind of an elaborate like we're going to trick you into putting the sword in the safe then Parker's going to make off with the sword like basically then there was the explosion and I was like oh okay something else happened here (laughs) but like I I really loved it the only thing that I was confused about is that when Archie pulls the sword out of the cake, there's, like, fully, like, icing and stuff on it. And I'm like, if Parker could get out of the cake without getting icing on her, I don't think the sword is going to get icing on it. Like, but I understand that they're doing it for the fun. Like It's It's for the bit. Yeah. yeah, It's for the fun Mm. of just being like, oh, he can lick it off kind of thing. Like, it's nothing to do with, like, reality, basically. It's like a behold my genius moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, With the frosting bit added for extra fun. I feel like the key part of this episode is the guest stars, obviously. We have some iconic guest appearances. We've already briefly touched on Quinn, who is the most random hitter that you would never expect to have reappeared in the fourth season finale. Yeah, that's why I said Jenny the Vampire yeah. coded. But he, he comes back and he's a fucking delight. Do we get him again? Like, Do we get him in the fifth season? No, we never see him again. There are literally fan videos made of his like four minutes of screen time in this fucking episode. <laughs> People... Love him. I was gonna say he's really fun. He he was giving me like the Elliot equivalent of um who was that male thief from the girls' night out and the boys' night in? Oh, uh, Mattingly. Mattingly. Yeah, he was giving me like Elliot mm. version of because like obviously that's like the yeah. Parker you know equivalent. I actually thought for a second that uh, when Hardison was like speaking to Chaos, but like we could only see the back of his yeah. head. For a moment, I thought it was Mattingly because of the way that Hardison was like, right now, I don't like you. <laughs> but the key is they all needed to find someone essentially who had the same skills at them, who was not a friend, not in the game, or someone they couldn't trust. Yeah, not recognisable. I had a, 
a note which basically said like they're essentially skilled doppelgangers. Like yeah. they're basically the team if the team was like mm-hmm. poorly copy and pasted. Yeah. So obviously Parker brings in Archie because Archie is retired, no longer in the game. Mm-hmm. Also, he looks fly as fuck the entire mm-hmm. episode. Like, Did you enjoy Archie more in this episode than in the inside job? Immediately more. Okay. Immediately more. I think partially because within like 10 seconds of him being on screen, he was like, this is my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, thank fuck. Finally, finally rectifying it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so we get Parker and Archie and then we get Elliot and Quinn mm-hmm. and then we get Chaos and Hardison who hate each other with the passion of a thousand burning suns. <laughs> they are so fucking melodramatic for no reason, but I, I do adore the fact we get that dynamic. You know what is so funny to me? You know that like bonding thing where it's like you bond over a mutual dislike of something? Mm-hmm. It's so hilarious to me that they are 100% doing that, but it's a mutual dislike of each other that they are bonding over. But then it's you, so funny. But then you also get Quinn and Elliot who are also bonding over their mutual dislike of Chaos and Hardison. Uh-huh. Hilarious. It's just such a fun dynamic. And then, like, Hardison having that moment where he's like, I just realised that this must be what Elliot feels like all the time. I just want to hit something. <laughs> And then we get the most iconic skill doppelgangers of all. We get Maggie and Sophie. Oh my god! Enti- I'm so happy. That entire scene last week, you said, "Yeah, no, we're gonna get like I want to see Maggie," and I was like, "You're go- you're gonna eat so well." You get to see Maggie and Sophie ganging up on Nate. They are like weaponizing this shit. They're like, "It's so good." It, it- is. Sophie and Maggie being besties is the literal best case scenario. Yeah. Like, I love that for them. Mm -hmm. I love that it's a choice that they've gone with. Like, yes. A thousand times yes. Like, Maggie's 100% getting invited to Nate and Sophie's wedding, but, like, as Sophie's guest, not as Nate. Oh, yeah. Like, a million percent. Maggie's going to be a fucking bridesmaid. Yeah. She would be maid of honor, except that kind of has to go Mm -hmm. to, like, Parker. Yeah. You know, like... To quote Maggie, now that you and Nate are together, how could I say no? (laughs) Literally, I actually think that Parker would maybe be Flower Girl. Just Mm. because I feel like she'd be into that. See, but I think on vibes, you have to give that to Elliot. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of want to map out the wedding party. (laughs) Like, I know it's so irrelevant, Uh but it's literally the finale. Yeah, that's... We've got time. It's fine. It's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. We make the rules. Okay, so obviously Nate and Sophie are the bride and groom. Yeah, perfect. Okay, do we want to start on the bride's side or the groom's side first? Also, like, fuck gender norms. I'm thinking we can Mm -hmm. have male, female, whatever, on either side. So I'm definitely thinking, like, if you're going to do it, like, just, like, classic, you've got Parker and... Maggie. Maggie as bridesmaids. You've got Hardison Elliot as groomsmen. And then you've got Jim Sterling as the flower girl. That's so funny. I thought you were going to say efficient, which I think personally would be so funny. I think he should marry them on international waters. Yeah. I think that is the funniest. <laughs> I feel like maybe Tara also makes it into bridal party. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Where? Okay, so who's Nate's third? Mm, that's does, the question though, isn't it? Does he have that many friends? No. I think the answer is no. Oh my god, you know Maybe Minato. I was gonna be so funny if it was McSweden. Sweden. <laughs> that would be hilarious. The flower girl. Oh <laughs> uh, no, I just think it would be really funny. Oh, okay. Because like mm, 
Because I just feel like McSweeten would be like, oh, like, I get to dance with the bridesmaids being Parker. And then it's like Hardison is, like, stuck with either Maggie or Tara and is just fuming about it the whole time. What I would find fucking hilarious is Nate going to ask Maggie to be, like, a groomsman. Mm. But Sophie's already recruited her (laughs) as a bridesmaid. Like, she's already committed to Sophie's team. Like That is so funny. She was like... Look, I've already said yes to Sophie, but even if you guys asked me at the exact same time, I would still pick Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, it also ties back into this episode. And, like, he's like, my wife? You recruited my wife? Oh my and God, both no. Sophie and Maggie were like, ex-wife. And he, she's like, he never says ex-wife. And she's like, I fucking always do. She is an icon. I love Maggie. She's my whole fucking heart. Mm-hmm. The only thing I wish is that we had like an extra, like I wish she was in every episode of the season. Like oh, that yeah. is, that is the only thing that would improve Maggie is if we got more of her. Oh, 100%. Also, the fact that she specifically says that she thinks Sterling is hot is so funny. Number one, because that is the best way to make Nate question everything yeah. he's ever Also, done. I worked out third, third groomsman for Nate, Hurley. Oh, that's actually a really good one. Do you know what? I actually think that Hurley would be like like the Doug Judy equivalent. Like he's like the wedding performer. Yeah. You know, like mm. I, I get that. I get the sense that, you know, he went and he actually like worked with, um, God, what was, um, what's Parker's friend's or Alice's friend's name? Peggy. Peggy. Because obviously Peggy and Hurley go to the wedding together. Mm-hmm. Like, duh. Obviously. I feel like maybe they picked up a hobby mm. and it's like some sort of musical, yeah. you know. Well, Peggy's catering, obviously. Of course. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. Peggy is catering mm-hmm. and Hurley is, is entertainment. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Wow, we've really sorted this wedding on a budget. Yeah. You know, a concern that mm-hmm. these criminals have. <laughs> Especially considering they aren't even engaged or anything. <laughs> like... I literally, for a split moment, thought he was going to fucking propose when they were, like, in front of all the water and he's like, I've got mm. big plans. And I was like, what? where is this going? And I'm But they're like, official now, babes. Oh, for fuck's sake. Like, I mean, I was sort of right in my sense of, like, Nate's going to have to face, like, an internal question about, like, ooh, am I whatever? And it's like, we already all know the fucking answer. Yeah. Like, when he pulled the gun, I was like, we had an episode about this. Yeah. We had a whole episode where everyone was like, ooh, is Nate a killer? And I was like, no, And that was priming no. you for this question. <laughs> You're meant to have forgotten that episode by the time you watch this one so that you forget. <laughs> no, we've pretty firmly established, like, Nate is not a killer. Yes, but I did really like how that scene played out. Mm-hmm. I actually thought that, like, considering I was like, there's no way Nate kills him. And actually, I completely called it. Mm-hmm. I made a prediction and I did write it down. I don't think Nate will kill him, brackets, intentionally, comma, he might still end up dead, comma, drowned, question mark. Like, the thing that's most iconic to me about that scene, though, is the line, my son would have been ashamed of me if I was a murderer. My dad, he'd buy me an ice cream. And then the way he pulled the gun, like, mm-hmm. the that was the only moment I thought he might shoot. Mm-hmm. Because it was so fast, I was like, is he just going to go for it? Yeah. Like, is that going to be the last thing that this man hears? Is that Nate's dad would have bought him an ice cream for shooting him in the face? Because low-key, that would have been cool. Yeah. Like, low-key, like, it would have been out of character, mm-hmm. I think, but I... Think, it would have been cool. That's, 
But I don't think it would have been a far... I don't think it would be that far out of character, to be perfectly yeah. frank. Like, just because of how irate Nate is in this moment. Mm-hmm. And we know that when he's angry, he's reckless. Yes. So, like, the only thing that I was surprised about is that they didn't highlight him drinking. Mm-hmm. And I was very glad for that because mm-hmm. I would have been annoyed by it. Yeah. But it certainly fits that sort of ongoing thing with Nate where, like, tragedy strikes. He responds by trying to bury his feelings often he'll drink to excess and also he just is irrational Mm -hmm. you know this time we did not get that we got a much more sort of you know rational nate which is like i think it's really a sign like after this point i don't think it's too much of a spoiler like this is actually like a pretty pivotal moment in nate's characterization Mm. um and he's definitely i would say describe him as like more stable moving forward than he has been previously so obviously he's still he's still Nate. Yeah. But like, you know, Nate is fully capable of change, which is nice to know. Yeah. You know? It's also a matter of in that moment, he's toying with them. Yes. Like the scene kind of plays out as if he's struggling with this internal debate. Yes. Which is like to kill them or not to kill them essentially. But yes. we as the audience, I think, is relatively abundantly clear that he's already made his decision. He already knows he's not going to kill them. Yes. What he is doing is he is antagonizing them because he is setting them up to destroy each other. Yes. Like, and technically he doesn't pull the trigger. No. He doesn't shoot them, but he primes them to take each other out. It is so Gababi's conning the Kens. I loved it. He outlines exactly what will happen if... One of them survives. One of them survives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's sort of already... He's he's playing on that relationship. And, like, he says that at the start of the episode, we need to separate Dubinich and Latimer. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't defeat them if they're working together, but if we can manage to split up their relationship, if we can disrupt their working relationship... Yeah. Then they, then they can. Then they can, they're you know... Vulnerable. Do you know what is really interesting? You know the saying where it's just like, oh, um, they're in bed together? Yeah. Which, like, obviously is, like, alluding to, like, sex, but mm-hmm. in a business sense... Oh, no, sense, I think Dubinich and Latimer are fucking. <laughs> in, like, a business sense. Like, it basically just means that, like, their affairs are entangled, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're in this together, whatever. I think it's really interesting because of the way that we've had Sophie previously play sexual partners against each other. Yes. Like, the whole thing where she's like, as soon as she finds out they're sleeping together, she's like, oh, I can destroy them with this. Yeah. And it's the same thing. Like, Dubinich and Latimer got in bed together, and then it was so simple to destroy everything that they had both independently built, because yes. they became immediately dependent on each other, and in they are just not very, like, compatible. No. Because they are so independent. They both have independent... Um, also what I'm looking for, interests, mm. which just means that if one of their interests gets compromised, the other will just cut and run. Yeah. You know? And so, There's no actual loyalty binding them together. The mm. only thing binding them together is the convenience of Latimer likes to make money and Dubinich knows the team's secrets. Yeah. And so it's really interesting to me that, like, by this sort of ruining this very tentative relationship that they've got going, which is like in this sort of analogy, the equivalent to like a workplace affair. Like it's just not very stable or secure. It's like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like he just pulls them apart. Like it's very Sophie. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very interesting to sort of watch it happen. And I also appreciate that Nate is a drama kid at heart. Oh yeah. No, he... (laughs) That is one thing that will never change about Nate 
here's being the most dramatic little bitch you have ever seen mm-hmm. at all times. Like that is that is just the rule. That is how Nate works. Also, I thought it was interesting. Like, oh my god, the music in that scene where he first is like pulling the gun on Jovenish or whatever mm-hmm. is so dramatic. And I was like, this is a bit much. But mm-hmm. I did like the choice in music because it was music that we have associated with Jimmy. Yes. And so I really liked the choice in music, but I thought it was maybe a touch too loud. Like, the I mix think, was a bit. Yeah, yeah. I think that they maybe sort of didn't quite ratio it correctly. But in saying that, because of the location and how loud the water was, like I feel like maybe they were pushed into a corner with that. Yeah. So I'm willing to let it slide. However, mm-hmm. it does bring me to my next point, which is that Nate, like manages to turn around exactly in time to see the team like assembling mm-hmm. on the like rafter thing and or the balcony thing and it, to me it kind of feels like the implication is that he heard them but there is no fucking way like the water is so loud it is so loud and also he nearly got blown up like 12 hours ago i literally was like oh it's giving catness the plot point out of that is she literally goes deaf in one ear <laughs> like i just that man has tinnitus if nothing else he did not hear (laughs) he is shouting over the water there is no way he heard them there is absolutely no fucking way (laughs) like maybe the other like maybe Dominic like looked over his shoulder and he sort of just followed the sideline maybe Mm. but there is no way he heard them no also Nate is just always getting shot in the arm yeah Nate gets shot a lot it's because he's so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, though, we know that for a fact that one of the people who has shot him in the arm is, in fact, Sophie. Like, that's just... Probably because he was annoying. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's consistency. Also, speaking, like, while we're on the topic of Nate and shooting people and things, I think it's important we talk about Elliot. Yes. The line, you pull that trigger and two men die... And he's talking about, like, you're not just killing the other person, you're killing a part of yourself. The man you kill and the person you used to be Mm. is how he describes it. Yeah. I think that that is very interesting. Because as much as it's very clear that the crew kind of have relatively tragic backstories, Mm -hmm. we very rarely hear them talk as if they regret where they are or what happened. Mm. It's 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 rare to hear any sort of like remorse about the the choices that they've made to lead them to this point. Yeah, and like I don't think necessarily that this is Elliot showing remorse for the mm. things that he has done. Like that's just not the vibe I get. But it certainly feels like him regretting where he is in terms of like he's talking about how oh, he was just a young kid with God in his heart and the flag on his shoulder or whatever. Like basically, and he still wakes up every morning. And looks, looks for, for him, that kid. And he hasn't seen that kid in the mirror in the last 10 years. Yeah. And it's this really interesting sort of like description of disillusionment, I suppose. Like he thought that he was doing something, but mm-hmm. he wasn't. And I think that like, you know, the military and recruitment of particularly, you know, adolescents is like a whole conversation. But I do think it's very interesting to get this take from Elliot because we haven't had it from really anyone. But... Mm-hmm. The closest we could maybe come is, like, was it, like, early season one with, like, the horse ranch? Yeah, the the two horse job where yeah. we see his old ex. Yeah, and even that is, like, we kind of get that he maybe regrets the way the relationship ended, 
but we don't really get everything else that comes along with it that we sort of get alluded to in this moment, mm. which I just thought was like very, very interesting. Also, while we're on Elliot, you mentioned before, so we don't see Quinn again after this. No. That is really surprising to me. Really surprising. Because they make a point out of the fact that Elliot now owes him a favour. Yeah. They, like, Elliot offers him the favour in the first place. And, and then he kind like, of reneges on it. He's like, mm, how about next time I don't beat you so bad? Yeah. It's like, that's not a that's not how a favour works, bro. That's really not how that goes. But also, like, they made the point of bringing it back up again at the end of the episode. And mm. also, Elliot wearing that bright fucking red shirt, I was like, you know, thinking with my supernatural brain worms, mm. it really reminded me of when Dean wears his red shirt of bad decision-making, which we haven't got to quite yet for you, but, you know, it becomes this really ongoing meta point. And so it was really interesting to me to see Elliot wearing such a bright, mm. bright red shirt, especially because we don't usually see him wearing that much colour. He normally has, like, pops of colour, but it's very red, rare for him to wear, like, something that's yeah. all fully colour. And it was very bright. It was the whole episode. And also, basically, everyone else was wearing very muted tones. Like, I think that the most colourful people outside of Elliot were probably Hardison, Chaos, and Archie. Yeah. And even then, like, Hardison and Chaos were wearing, like, a purpley colour, which is, like, Mm. way less sort of bright and in your face. And Archie was wearing lots of, like, pastels and, like, creams. And, like, Mm. that's bright in a very different way. Elliot's was, like, a fucking neon red flag it was like they were trying to remind you of like the blood on his hands i mean maybe but like for me it more felt like something is like dangerous here something Mm -hmm. is wrong here and like it's a red flag literally he's literally a walking talking red flag and so i thought teen winchester would love him (laughs) literally we'll get to that (laughs) i i genuinely assumed that that was something to do with the favor Mm -hmm. that he was making like offering Quinn that was to do with the deal yeah yeah so I was like oh like red shirt of bad decisions Mm -hmm. kind of like mindset and then when he nearly shoots Dubinich I was like maybe it's relevant to that but then he kind of reins himself back in so I was like maybe not so I trust that Nadine Hayter had a vision for that Mm -hmm. because not only does it stand out for Elliot as a character but it also pulls him apart from the rest of the cast and especially Mm -hmm. given that this is an expanded cast this episode as well Mm -hmm. like that is saying something so I'm not sure what's happening. And also, we just get the fun implications of he's in the same clothes that he wore to go and get Quinn. Oh, yeah, he doesn't change at all. So he doesn't change at all. So they've just sat on a flight together for, like, 8 to 12 hours, depending on, the like, what flights they've caught from the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And he's just still wearing the same shirt. So, like, theoretically, he hasn't spent any time apart from Quinn in the last, like, you know, he hasn't even bothered to get changed. So, yeah, it's a little gay. <laughs> just a little gay. I, look, I don't know about that. What I do know is that they fucking quote Tombstone in this episode. And I said last episode that Dean Winchester would fucking froth yeah, leverage. This is exactly This is exactly what I was thinking about. I was so correct. <laughs> like, the fucking I'm your Huckleberry, I love that movie, who doesn't? Like, especially with last week's fucking cowboy, like, yeah. bullshit. Like, I'm sorry. And the fact I'm that canonically, sorry. like, we've seen, we've seen Elliot wear cowboy boots before. Like. <laughs> Dr. Sexy Core. It's not infrequent for him to wear cowboy boots. Like, that is just part of mm-hmm. Christian Kane's wardrobe and by extension, <laughs> Elliot Spencer's wardrobe. <laughs> it is not shocking to me at all. That Christian Kane and Jensen Ackles are friends in real life because 
They have such similar approaches to their characters. Well, if you remember back in the stork job, there's like a one-off joke about how Elliot got a black eye because he walked into a lesbian bar not realising it was a lesbian bar. The reason he had the black eye in that episode was because he went outside to play, like, after a late-night game mm-hmm. of poker where he was kind of drunk, he went outside to play catch with Timothy Hutton mm-hmm. and he slept, slipped on the ice because he was wearing fucking cowboy boots. I remember you telling me this story. Yeah, look. <sighs> so fucking funny. Not surprising that they're friends. Mm, no, not at all. Also, also... Before we move off the similarities from Supernatural, number one, people being horny for Mark Shepard is just yet another constant between <laughs> Supernatural and Leverage, yeah. and I cannot wait. Maggie's to- in good company. I literally cannot wait to talk to you more about that. It's going to be very fun. And number two, I literally thought when he was like the Cayman Islands, I thought that they had gaslighting roomed him. Like I and really, they fully have. I like, yeah. straight up was like, oh. Oh, this is a gaslighting yeah. room. I can mm-hmm. feel it in my bones. Yeah. It's a fake it's a fake holiday, really. They've just rigged up a room to look like a cheap It's so funny. You know, if crime stops working out for them, they should really open a series of like themed hotels. Oh yeah. It would go down so well. Yeah. You know? Like, can you imagine being able to like just go into your local city and like you enter a hotel and suddenly you're in Paris? <laughs> Like, I just, I imagine how much you could save on flights. So much. <laughs> because everyone knows the only reason you go somewhere like Paris is to sit in the, the hotel. hotel. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. But no, so yeah, so it is, it is, a, I will give you that. It is a gaslighting room mm-hmm. because they are fully like, yep, no, here you are in the Cayman Islands. No, he's not. He's in a shitty little room just off the dam. Yeah. So funny. It's actually even almost location appropriate too. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. It's not a warehouse, but, you know, it's not far off. Yeah, well, look, they're known for blowing up warehouses, so mm-hmm. after last episode... Dubinich's MO is 100% blowing up warehouses, so, mm. you know. Oh, also, can mm. I take a fucking moment to appreciate that Latimer is kind of stupid, and by kind of stupid, I mean he's embodying men are stupid and horny, because Sophie comes up and, like, flirts with him or whatever to, mm-hmm. like, swap his drink around. Yeah. And... He, she gets pulled up on it by Dubinich. Yeah. Like, he is like, ah, 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 and like, you know, frog marches her out. And it's like, yeah, okay, great. And then Maggie sidles up, basically does the same fucking thing. And Latimer's like, oh, well, this is probably fine then. Yeah. Like, they couldn't possibly have two grifters. This is I was like, you're stupid. I was like, what do you mean? You're not even a little bit suspicious. You're not what even is, a little bit what suspicious. is obviously, like... Latimer knows what all of the team looks like. Yeah. And Dubinich says, like, I know all of your contacts. I know all of, like, I know everything about the team. Clearly not. Clearly not, because this is Nate's fucking Mm ex-wife. And And Maggie's best friend. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like, it's Nate's ex-wife. It's Sophie's best friend. Like, obviously, Maggie is not a grifter. Like, not relevant to that. But you'd think when you do your background checks. Yeah. You would notice a fucking ex-wife. Oh, it's like, you know ridiculous. What I mean? like, it's so silly. And, like, the thing about it is that I don't – I can't really speak to the male experience. Mm-hmm. But how often can very attractive – Beautiful women, women outside of your league. Just walk up to you at a bar, a man who has got to be at least 20 years their senior. Yeah. And flirt with them outright – how often is that happening in the singular, let alone 
twice in a row at the same bar within 10 minutes of each other. Like, man, like statistically. I think it's probably because he's on the TV and it's like, Saying how rich he is, essentially. But even then... TV is saying how he's up the shit. Yeah. Even then. (laughs) Like, men men be stupid and horny. That's that's the takeaway here. Men be stupid and horny. Like, I would be shocked if any woman ever flirted with me under any circumstance. I just can't imagine him just being like, yes, this seems normal. Like, (laughs) what? All right, bro. Oh, also... While we're talking about Maggie and Sophie, and I'm going to throw Parker in here as well, the fact that, uh, I nearly said Wheaton, the fact that Chaos keeps objectifying them, Mm -hmm. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. And, like, I understand why they're doing it. And to be fair, everyone else hates it too. Yeah, I understand that. (laughs) You're not alone. I understand that it's because Mm -hmm. they're establishing him as still a bad guy. Like, technically still there. They wouldn't be working with him if they didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I love everything about when Hardison and Chaos are first interacting and stuff up to the point where Chaos starts being gross. Mm -hmm. I was like, Chaos, LMAO, I love this. And then my next note is, ew, don't objectify them. Stop being gross. Yeah, stop being gross. And I just want to do a quick shout out. Will Wheaton Mm -hmm. is so good at being so fucking annoying. Like, I get so, like, cross with chaos so quickly and it's because will wheaton is very good at what he's doing he's so good at what he's doing yeah will wheaton just really he understood the assignment you know what i mean like, yes yes obviously he's meant to be the, the worst person you've ever seen <laughs> and he does so well at being the worst person you've ever seen and i love that for him he is literally so good at his job like he is so good at his job also the fact that he is a Hardison like equivalent and he gets pushed off the fucking edge of the thing yeah. is so funny to me, especially after last episode. We had Hardison be like, why am I always getting pushed off a of shit? I'm like, yes, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and also we get the fucking iconic line, it's a backdoor. It's a good thing because <laughs> it's coming, it's quoting Chaos back at himself because Chaos has been an absolute fucking dipshit. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to, like, I'm going to weaponize this back up against him. Like, it is it is so good. It is literally so good. Like, I love this episode. I love everything this episode does. It's so, it's, it's just, it's so much fun. And I love that, you know, normally finales are, like, the most serious thing you've ever seen. And, like, you know, it's all tension and blah, blah, blah. I love that Leverage is not afraid to just say, hey, look, like, as much as it's a finale and there's very much tension and, like, there's very much stakes to what they're doing and what's happening, they're still allowed to have fun, though. Mm. Like, they're not completely dropping the tone of the show just because it's a finale. And I, yeah. I do really enjoy that because I think inherently Leverage would be a worse show if they were like, oh, well, it's a finale, so therefore it has to be more dramatic more dramatic or more serious or like although i will argue that i think they do turn up the drama and Mm -hmm. i'm gonna use this finale and also the season two finale as examples of that because the moment where nate has the gun out and whatever is like very reminiscent he's like literally even shot in the arm and stuff like yeah of the season two finale and it's again like him making that whole thing where he's like am i a killer and it's like no, bro. And it's also like, am I a thief? And it's like, yes, bro. Like, we, we all knew. We've established this. We know this, babe. You're the last person to figure it out. It's like, yeah, we've all known. Also, when he literally pulled that gun out and I had that moment of like, 
oh my God, is he actually going to shoot him? Because like, I would have been so blindsided mm-hmm. if that had happened. My genuine thought, and I hate that this was my genuine thought, but it was literally murder on my leverage. <laughs> because we've talked so much about like, we get a lot of attempted murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we very rarely get flat out murder, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, that was my first thought. And then I was like, oh, I, I hate it. <laughs> Oh, and also, I'm so sorry. I lie. It wasn't when Nate pulls the gun. It was when he is practicing shooting. Oh, yeah. Um, It's, like, right after they have the whole, like, meeting where it's, like, oh, they're basically going to be copying each other. Yeah. yeah. Also, I straight up thought they were going to blow up that apartment. <laughs> they do, like, blowing up things. I, I think... was surprised yeah. they didn't. I think the only reason they didn't is because they used their entire pyrotechnics budget on the previous episode yeah. blowing up a warehouse. You should be grateful. <laughs> One explosion instead of two. The fact that they moved old Nate down into the fucking Batcave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, oh my god, Hardison being so excited about the Batcave. I love him so much. I also just love the moment where Quinn's like, what the hell is this? And Elliot's like, don't even fucking ask. <laughs> like, Elliot is so done with this bullshit. Like, he is ready to be done. I'm obsessed with it. And there is a part in season eight i want to say yes season eight of supernatural where like dean is like very similarly excited by a new location and it just makes me very happy actually also in season 13 Mm -hmm. but and then we get the iconic ending of can we keep the cave like (laughs) nate and sophie are trying to have like a romantic moment by the fucking water and hardison's like i'm gonna heckle them a little bit they're literal children it's like it's literally mom and dad yeah. are trying to have like you know a second honeymoon moment yeah. and the kids are like i'm hungry when's lunch <laughs> i need a pee I, and i love elliot's elliot's objections are how are we even going to get a car in there and he's like yeah but think two words elliot's Elliot signal, signal. <laughs> it's so funny and the and Elliot immediately has follow-up questions like, okay, but if you put a light in the sky, how am I going to see it during the day? Would you put a knife or a wolf? I like wolves. <laughs> wolves are cool. That's wolves cool. It's <laughs> so funny. I, I do love that one of the things that Leverage does really, really well is they have these characters who are genuinely very serious characters. Like mm-hmm. Elliot, for example, I would say is quite a stoic character. Yes. But they have a way of having him be able to have this kind of dialogue and it totally makes sense. Mm. It does not feel jarring. It feels like it... Yeah. He's a secret nerd. He's absolutely a secret nerd. Yeah. And I I really appreciate the fact that they have been able to develop these very multifaceted characters because I do feel like sometimes in media you will have a character who's usually like quite serious or whatever and they don't really give them that room to breathe. And that means that if you ever do give them quite a comedic line of dialogue, it just doesn't like... It snaps you out of it because you're like, what yeah, the fuck do you like, mean? Like, It's like that fucking tumble meme where it's like, they wouldn't say that. <laughs> like, you yeah. know. Elliot 100% would say that. He is concerned about whether it would be a knife or a wolf. Yeah. Actually, no, wolf's cooler. Yeah. Like, again, literally oozing Dean Winchester. Yeah, like the vibes are there. Like, yeah. he, is, he is a nerd in every single way, but he just likes to pretend that he's not. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of nerds, when Hardison and Elliot are like, dressed up as, like, maintenance workers, I guess, on yeah. the dam. And while Chaos and Quinn are, like, at the other dam, right? Yeah. They literally looked almost exactly like when Sheedy dresses up as a postman mm-hmm. in the yeah. good place. And it was so funny to me. I literally could not get it out of my brain. And I thought it was very funny. 
And we also get in that line uh, where Chaos is like, they go, oh, are you ready, Quinn? And he goes, I bet you were born ready. And <laughs> Chaos is like, how many fingers do you need to type? Round down. I love that Quinn is just like, how the fuck does Elliot do this? <laughs> like, he's like, my respect for Elliot has just skyrocketed. This is ridiculous. Oh, also, Quinn is our second example of uh, hitter characters with long hair. Oh my god, you're so right. So we obviously have Elliot, the OG, and then we have the random sniper from The Morning After yes. Dark. And then here we get Quinn, who last time had short hair, but now has long hair, as if he fought Elliot, had a massive crush, and decided to copy <laughs> his hairstyle. He was like, dang, that looks good. <laughs> Let me try that. Oh, also, I have a small confession. I fully have been mishearing you pronounce the name of this job every single time you've mentioned it. I thought that the title of this episode was The Last Stand Job. As in, like, How? The Final Stand. And so, like, I, you asked me what I fucking thought about this episode, last, last episode, and I was like, oh, yeah, The Last Stand. Well, that makes sense because, like, it'll be the final stand between the team and Dubinich and the team and, and Lama. And I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then they were on the dam and you were like, yeah, that's why it's called the last dam job. And I was like, oh, and so I renamed my note and I said, (laughs) I literally have a note that says I thought this was the last dam job. Rename the note in shame. (laughs) I did. I was, I made sure I angled my phone so you couldn't see me (laughs) retitled. But it's the last dam job as in. Yes. Yeah. The play on words is obvious. I do like the play on words, but yeah, I fully thought it was the last stand job s-t-a-n-d not d-a-m and i was like damn (laughs) get it (laughs) yeah so i've been fully mishearing you because i never look ahead i don't look at the and that's good because here's the thing for this episode it wouldn't matter because the description is like latimer and his mystery ally finally blah 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 like nothing really too like when we recorded the episode before the uh the radio job when we recorded the gold job Mm -hmm. i was like do not read the next description because the next description, the description for the radio job is literally when Nate's father, Jimmy, <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like, I don't know if anyone, whoever's listening, like may watch Supernatural. I don't know. But if you have seen Supernatural and you have access to it on a streaming service, I would highly, highly recommend going to like one of the first five, six seasons, picking any random episode and like reading the description of the episode. And like, it's a few sentences, it's like five sentences long, right? It gives you a pretty good overview. Then jump to season 15. And I kid you not, some episode descriptions are literally just like guest starring. And then there's like two names and that is the episode description. It'll be like guest starring Kim Rhodes and that's it. Like there is no other description in the episode. And it is so funny to me. Like they got to season 15, they were like, yeah, we don't care anymore. <laughs> to be fair, people only care about the side characters. So yeah, actually the way it makes us to sense. watch is to be like, Hey, guess what? Jody's in this one. <laughs> hey, guess what? Cass. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely. But I just think it is so funny. Like they really were like, yeah, season 15, who gives a shit? If anyone's watching this, they already know what's, why they're here. <laughs> we're not, tr- at this point, we're not trying to convince anyone new to start watching. <laughs> Anyway, so whoever was writing the descriptions of Supernatural basically got to season 15 and went, yeah, fuck it, I don't care anymore. (laughs) One other thing I did really like about the intro to this episode is I really liked that Dubinich was calling Nate out his God complex Mm. by being like, you can't play judge and jury. I was like, yes, like, this is an ongoing thing with Nate. And like, I hate that it's coming from Dubinich. Like, Mm. 
But I think that maybe that's who Nate needs to hear it from, maybe. Yeah. Like, because uh, Sophie and, like, other characters from, like, I suppose the more moral side of things have said mm. this to him on a couple of occasions or at least sort of alluded to it. But I think that maybe it coming from Dubinich maybe is going to, like, hit him a little harder. I'm not quite sure. But I did mm. like that they brought it up. And I also love that at some point, like, Dubinich kind of goes, anyway, anyway, so what have you been doing? <laughs> like, He's had this whole speech about, like, I've been planning how I'm going to drag you down with me for the last three year, three and a half years. Tina, what's been up with you? Literally, verbatim, Dean and Jenny cannot, like, literally, it's ridiculous. So many Jenny the Vampirisms in this episode, but... Except for I would argue that Dubinich is way more relevant than Jenny oh, the yeah, Vampire. He had a name in the episode he yes, was in. Yes, he did. In <laughs> fact, he was the one who did all of the research and work to bring the team together. Yeah. Anyway, I also love their, like, quick getaway. Like, Parker, like, sailing off the edge of the building and, like, landing on the van and being like, he said go. <laughs> like, love it. Come on, I was jumping out the window. You should have fucking known this. Also, when Hardison is, like, explaining all the stuff to Archie and they're, like kind of looking at each other like "Mm -hmm, we don't really need this kind of thing but like Parker's like oh cool like she's really trying to sell it I thought it was so cute Archie's like yeah we don't need that and she's like yeah no we don't need that yeah like I was trying to be nice about it but oh sweet though also I want to make a point that the guts of Nate just fucking waltzing into that bloody I don't even know what it was like gathering of whatever when they took the sword Oh, like the party? Yeah, yeah. I love that. I was like, the fact that they're going to the effort of, like, disguising everyone else and whatever else, yeah. but then Nate just walks in. I'm like, oh, Well, Nate's the it. distraction. He's literally the ball and everyone else is the moonwalking bear. Yeah. Like, and I love it. I love it. Also, fucking Dubinich is not subtle. No. Like, he's like, quick, every single security member, follow me this way. Like, if I was at that party, I would be like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Like, I think I would leave. I'd be like, something ain't kosher here. Like, Mm. something is not sitting with me right. Something's dodgy. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that's kind of the point. Like, Mm -hmm. that, the idea is also, like, not only are they trying to, you know, obviously bring down his businesses and that, but they're also trashing his reputation. Yeah, they're trying to sow seeds of... Yeah, so one of the ways to do that is to literally sow seeds of doubt. And they do that very well. They absolutely do. Mainly because Dubinich is an idiot. Like, yeah. Dubinich likes to think that he's real fucking smart and clever, but like. I genuinely think that as soon as one of the antagonists decides that they're going to go up against Nate, yeah. They're no longer smart. No, they're an like, idiot. Yeah. Literally, like, and the this only is, exception yeah. being Moro, mm-hmm. and that being because Nate went after Moro first. Yeah. So he had to retaliate if he was going to yeah. stand a chance. But anyone. Who was like, I'm actively going to go after Nate Ford and his, mm-hmm. or like anyone in his team. And I think that I justifiably stand a chance. You're yeah. an idiot. Like, I don't care what else you've done. You're a fucking idiot. Because their track record is so good. Mm-hmm. Like, the best thing you can do is just never make their radar. And that's why I was asking you earlier in the season. Like, why do you think now is the time where Latimer has sort of stepped out of the shadows? Because he could have. Stepped right back into those shadows when they were like when they found the bug, because could have just like diffused the situation and then just which is what I think he should have done, and he absolutely should have. Unfortunately, he's been listening to Dubinich. Yeah, he's a cocky fucker, and mm-hmm. like he's a fucking idiot. Literally, I just think oh, and Latimer's an idiot for listening to him. 
Yeah. He's like, oh, do you know what? I'll listen to this guy who's already been taken down once. Like, dude. Like, it doesn't matter how much he thinks he knows about the team. The fact is, even when he had just brought them together and they had, like, very little trust in each other and, like, zero fucking bonds, he was still taken down by them. And he knew they were there. He put them there. Like, everyone else they've taken down since has had so much less information about them, except maybe Moreau. But even Moreau didn't fucking know who Nate was, even as he was putting them away, which is still unbelievable to me. But but even then, like, Moreau still managed to beat the team. Yeah, it was like a technicality that they yeah. ended up having him fucking arrested. And so I just think that Dubinich is maybe the worst person to be confiding in or taking advice from when it comes to trying to evade Nate. Yeah. Because he was literally their practice run Mm -hmm. and he still lost. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But yeah, genuinely, like I, I think that as soon as, regardless of how smart a antagonist appears to be, as soon as they actively are like, oh, as soon as they're not just trying to protect themselves anymore. Yeah, as soon as they are like, oh, I'm actively seeking these yeah. people out because I think that I have a chance, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just stupid because you must have such an inflated sense of your own fucking ego and importance and ability and you must just, like, have lost all sense of rationality. Like, you must just be so disconnected from reality if you think that you're untouchable to these people. Mm-hmm. Like, all you have to do is look at the first four people they took down. Yeah. Like, it, or look at anyone in the team individually even. Like, yeah. if you think you stand a chance, you're an idiot. <laughs> this team is better than you. They have friends in Interpol. Mm-hmm. You're an idiot if you think that, like, you know, you're getting around it. I just, I, yeah. Anyway, so I think that Latimer, Latimer was very smart until he wasn't. He just got too cocky and he felt untouchable. And that was his his weakness. And I think that was actually something that Elliot said, like, a season ago or something. Like, if you... Cockiness like, will kill you faster than a bullet any time. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah. And it's just proving him right again. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, Elliot is many things, but he's very rarely wrong. Mm. Oof. I just... I love this episode so much. I love... You know, the fact we get all the little team-ups. I love the fact that it's, like, like father, like, daughter with fucking Parker and Archie. He's mm. like, mm, either I'm going to stab you or I'm going to electrocute you. Yes, so fun. So fun. Also, I really hope that at some point, like, they have a family dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because what the fuck? Like, the fucking, like, I assume Archie's biological daughter yeah. and granddaughter, like, mm. they must be... So fucking confused. Mm -hmm. Like, and I just very much would like them to have a family dinner. I think it would be so funny. I think Hardison should also go. (laughs) Yeah. He should bring that. Yeah. Obviously. Like, obviously. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I... Also the fact that Archie approves of Hardison. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And the little chat he actually has with Parker in that moment too, where, Mm -hmm. like, he's like, how are you doing yeah. you know like you know you care like you clearly care like how are you adjusting and she was like i think i'm okay i'm like i love that yeah we finally get to see like what they could have been and unfortunately it's a bit too little too late yeah i still don't love archie no but i like that he's trying yeah like i appreciate that he is putting in the effort i appreciate that he's acknowledging her as his family as he fucking well should mm-hmm. you know so even though i don't think it 
like nullifies his past transgressions, I am willing to, you know, see mm-hmm. how he grows. Do we get more Archie down the track or is this it? This is pretty all right. Oh, bum. Because that would have been really cool to see him actually like. Yeah. We've only got like another 10 episodes left. How fucking short is next season? I think it's like 12 or 14 episodes. Oh, shit. So we got 12 or 14 episodes left. <gasps> oh, my God, Jamie. We've got like only a couple months left. Yeah. Oh, that's rough. And then we got Redemption. Parker, we actually got very minimal partisan mm-hmm. in this episode, which is honestly the thing I'm probably most surprised about. The only partisan we get is in the Parker, Hardison, Archie stuff. Yeah, exactly. And like the I approve of your... Not and that like, it matters, I, but like I approve of your mom, young man very much and like and that like, sort of stuff. I love that. But it is less than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's not a bad thing as such. It's just, like, mm-hmm. I'm surprised. And also, Elliot, like, nothing would have changed for Elliot either. Like, it doesn't really cement him in any way. Like, all of the characters kind of ended the episode the same way that they started the mm-hmm. episode. And, like, honestly, like, the season. So I don't feel like there's any huge... I don't know. Like, usually you get to the end of a series and you can kind of be like, oh, okay, they've completed their narrative arc. Yeah. I don't feel like these characters have completed their narrative arc. Mm-hmm. So as much as I understand, like, yeah, if the series had ended, it would have been satisfying in the sense that, like, it's not some big cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have been a satisfactory completion of the character arcs. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, I think in terms of, like, if this was our ended, you can go, oh, well, they just happily continued to do crimes into the sunset. Yeah. <laughs> that is a perfectly acceptable ending for a show like this Mm -hmm. but i am glad that we did get the extra season because i think obviously you haven't seen it but the season five finale feels way more final than this it is like a true season finale and it it, i think it does its job really well awesome because i'm looking forward to it i'm actually very curious to see how they end things my prediction long term yeah is that i don't think that i kind of have two ways i see it right i either see the like symmetry of the end of the pilot where they all walk in different directions mm-hmm. but sophie and nate walk in one direction patterson yeah. walk the other direction mm-hmm. and like elliot goes off in another like i either yeah. see kind of like that or like you know and then you know you get the implication that it's like oh well we'll see you like i'll see you for dinner on like yeah. wednesday kind of thing and then they all walk off sort of separately kind mm-hmm. of thing like or Sophie and Nate retire Mm -hmm. and it's like the kids keep yeah like going and like that's sort of the vibe that I'm imagining because like otherwise I don't know how you could make it feel more final yeah because like it would just be you'd be leaving it open-ended and Mm -hmm. like you assume that the characters keep on doing the same thing I think to make it feel final you have to wrap up them working together yeah the team can no longer work as a team of five yeah, and I don't Whether think... somebody leaves, multiple people leave, they all go their separate ways. Yeah. Whatever happens. And I don't... Somebody dies. I, I don't foresee that with leverage. Yeah. Specifically. But I also feel like... And to be fair, this is a long-term prediction because we're looking, you know, a season ahead. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they would split up to just never see each other again. I don't think that it would like end on like a sour note. I think they're all going to part on terms. And I also think they're all going to part with the knowledge of I'll see you soon. Mm -hmm. I think it's just going to be a matter of I'm moving on from, from this. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just like Sophie and Nate are retiring or something Mm -hmm. like, you know, they've decided that they just want to chill out a bit, you know? Yeah. Or however, whatever, but I don't think it'll be a bad thing that they're splitting up. I think it'll be like a very, this is a natural conclusion. Mm-hmm. 
but we're all still going to hang out. Yeah. Like We're still family. Yeah. Whether we work together or not, we're still family. But I think that definitely, and from my perspective, I think that if they don't utilize the opportunity to have like a mirror of that first episode where they all walk off in separate directions, I think that they would be missing an, a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like I think that that is so yeah. memorable mm-hmm. that it would be silly. For, it would be a miss if they mm-hmm. didn't yeah. recreate it either identically or in some new configuration because also then like as a side-by-side mm-hmm. it would be so fun to see how those relationships they, it would be a real treat for the gift makers yeah yeah you know <laughs> and like also i think just symbolically yeah like showing how much these experiences have changed them as a group mm-hmm. you know how their dynamics have shifted and and bits i think could be really interesting although i kind of hate the idea of like I don't know. Like, I can't decide if I would prefer Nate and Sophie to go off together, Parker and Harrison to go off together, and Ellie to go off separately, or if I want them just all to go off separately with the implication mm-hmm. that they're going to meet up yeah. later kind of thing. Like, or even if it's like, oh, like, I'll race you two, and they yeah. all just go in different directions mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, I just like the implication that they're not splitting up. It's just they're no longer going to run the cons mm-hmm. in the way that they have been, you know? Anyway, this is getting way. Ahead this of is getting. Way, this is the sort of content for next episode, which will be our recap. Yeah. I think I've actually run out of stuff to say about this episode. Do you have anything else that you would really like to talk about? Um, no, yeah, I'm good. I think it's really good. I think it's really solid. I really like the fact that they bring Dubinich back. I think it's a really nice like piece of like this is how far the crew has come. And like remembering their origins and all of that sort of stuff. And I think it ties in really well when you consider like. Yeah, the person who was surveilling them all season knew a lot about them because he did all the research when they originally joined forces. Mm. And I think the fact that Dubinich can't beat them is like a beautiful sign of how far they have come in terms of working as a team and their individual skills because at the end of the day, Dubinich doesn't know them anymore. Mm. Yeah, they're so different. Mm. They've all changed each other, yeah. you know, at the risk of being supernatural mm. core again. Like, yeah. And we get Maggie, and Maggie's an icon. Mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed we didn't get Sterling. Yeah. I was really hoping we might get Sterling. Mm-hmm. That's okay. We get Sterling next season, so we will see him again. That is, that, is not, that is not a surprise. I have told you he does appear throughout the seasons. It's not, it's not anything that's uh, spoilery. spoilery. But anyway, how would you rate the last damn job out of five? I got it from four. Four? Lovely. I'm not complaining uh i would probably give it a 4.5 but i am biased so i just the reason i don't give it a 4.5 again like i don't have much that i can fault about the episode mm-hmm. the only thing i didn't love was like the objectification that um yeah chaos was was doing but i get why they did it yeah and everyone the, hated that like yeah. it's not yeah i think that the thing that for me like docks it a little bit is just because it just doesn't to me in like what i would expect from a season finale it just doesn't hit the mark quite for me. And also, we know that I find it kind of annoying when Nate takes for fucking ever to come to the same conclusion that, like, mm-hmm. everyone else has already come to many, many episodes ago. And to be fair, like I mentioned earlier, he has already come to a decision. He's just toying with them. But mm-hmm. I find it, like, a little bit, like, okay, like, the audience gets it. Let's hurry this along a little bit. Yeah. Um, Easy done. The next episode is called The Very, in brackets, Big Bird Job. Okay. 
two thoughts immediately come to mind. Mm-hmm. Number one, Big Bird, as in the Big Bird, you know, yellow, tall the... Sesame Street. Yeah. Yeah, Big Bird of Sesame Street fame. Uh-huh. That, that's, you know, mm-hmm. Big Bird as I know him. The other potential is that it could be some kind of like emu, ostrich, cassowary, mm-hmm. like, a, like a literal Big Bird. Yeah. Scenario. Mm-hmm. I don't really know which one is more likely because the thing is that Sesame Street, like, it's totally plausible that, like, <laughs> I mean, Big Bird was literally stolen. <laughs> you know, it's totally plausible that, like, someone is wearing a Big Bird costume somehow, like, in the episode. Like, that's totally plausible as a thing. Like, maybe someone is, like, hiding as a mascot. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, we could do that. But I don't know if they would be able to actually have, like, Big Bird, the character, mm-hmm. because yeah. that's, like, a licensing thing, right? However, you could potentially have, like, an emu farm or an ostrich farm or I don't know if they'd have cassowaries. Mm-hmm. Emus and ostriches, I think, are more likely mm-hmm. to be... More mainstream. Yeah, than yeah. cassowary. Also, because mm-hmm. a cassowary literally looks like a dinosaur. If you don't yeah. know what I'm talking about, just fucking Google it. Mm-hmm. They'll fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. People are always worried about the drop bears, but let me fucking tell you, I'd be way more scared about a cassowary. I don't know. The drop bears are pretty deadly. Yeah, but like... They don't look prehistoric, Jamie. And that's all about vigilance. Like, if you're (laughs) vigilant enough, you won't get... The drop bears can't get you, you know? Yeah. Cassowaries, though. Yeah. They'll fuck you up regardless. (laughs) Yeah. And they got talons. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So, yeah. I'm I'm going very literally with my... Because I don't think that there's, like, a very big bird. I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of, like, another less well, literal guess what? Type. We'll find out next week, if you're correct, incorrect, what's happening with that on leverage. I guess it also depends on your interpretation of big. Because, like, swans can be quite big. Okay, yeah. Or a turkey could be quite big. Mm-hmm. But, oh, okay, someone could get, like, tarred and feathered. Okay, yeah. You that's know? an option, I guess. But, like... But I don't know. Okie dokies. Well, thank you so much for listening to us today. If you want to interact with us at all, interact with us about literally everything. We would just be delighted for friends. <laughs> but suggested conversation topics do include... I just want to know, like, if you had a favourite part of this episode. Like, it seems like an obvious question. We probably should ask it every week. But, like, mm. there were just so many fun things happening. And it is a season finale. And, you know, we get so many guest characters. Like... Mm-hmm. Do you have like a favorite moment or a favorite guest character or yeah. like any any and all of the above? Who stole a show and why was it Maggie and Quinn? <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Please join us again next time in the evening, afternoon, light, light, lunch, brunch, morning, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., whatever time of the day and or night. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.